Think of this wine as what you keep calling hell. There's many other names for it, too. Malevolence, evil, darkness. And here it is, swirling around in the bottle, unable to get out. Because if it did, it would spread. Cork is this island. And it's the only thing keeping the darkness where it belongs. That man who sent you to kill me believes that everyone is corruptible because it's in their very nature to sin. I bring people here to prove him wrong. And when they get here, their past doesn't matter. Before you broke my ship, there were others? Yes, many. What happened to them? They're all dead. If you brought them here, why didn't you help them? Because I wanted them to help themselves. To know the difference between right and wrong without me having to tell them. It's all meaningless if I have to force them to do anything. Why should I have to step in? If you don't, he will. Do you want a job? Had you heard? Doing what? Well, if I don't want to step in, maybe you can do it for me. You can be my, my representative and intermediary between me and the people I bring to the island. What, what will I get in return? You tell me. I want my wife back. Can't do that. Can you absolve me of my sins so I don't go to hell? I can't do that either. I never want to die. I, I want to live forever. Now that... I can do. Welcome to another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week on the Revisited Podcast, we are covering Lost Season 6, Episode 9, Ab Eterno. Got it. I even helped I even helped conduct you a little bit. With that well, you know, I also conducted myself there, too. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> 
I don't know why that part's so hard. I don't know either. Um, this is this is going to be fun because we, um, if you missed it last week, uh, we launched a new series of episodes on the Wilhelm podcast where we <laughs> give each other our homework. Uh, and we've already been recording for almost two hours at this point. But the because... podcast isn't the, the other one isn't almost two hours because we, no. thought we had a bit of a break in between. Yeah, that one went, I think, for about an hour and 15. So which yeah, seems about. A, yeah, which seems about on par for, yeah, for those, for which us. is good. Um, but You've already, if you're listening to this, you've already seen the unofficial premiere pop up on the feed. Uh, but starting with this one we just recorded for this week, which will be the official premiere, they're all going to be over on the Wilhelm podcast feed. So you got to go over there to keep listening. But we encourage you to do so uh, and subscribe to Wilhelm at uh, WilhelmPodcast.com. You know what we should add to that also is that we should add that. It, either in like the show notes or at the beginning or something like that, that we don't even talk to each other about our homework until no. we hit record. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. We go radio silent about our, our just homework. about that. We don't not talk to each other, but yeah. we- <laughs> it's, it's just about our homework is pretty right. much. Um, but for the official premiere, uh, we just got done recording about our homework for this past week, which was real steel. And in the, uh, in the Heights, which were two. Well, you got to go listen to the podcast to hear our thoughts on those movies. So wilhelmpodcast.com, as I mentioned. And this next one will be, well, you'll have to see and listen to see yeah, what our new homework you, is. You got to listen to the end to see what our homework for next episode is. Uh, but for that, I mean, we've gotten a number of people who have always wanted us to do like something separate for our conversations and love the banter that we have with each other. So that that's the perfect opportunity to hear even more of us, if that's what right. you're you're good with, um, and the conversations that come out of it, and it's two it's deep dives into two movies, and then all the little random <laughs> whatever whatever comes well. about after that, yeah, as well, mm-hmm. exactly. But yeah. we're here to talk about Lost, yep, uh, season six, episode nine, Ab Eterno. If you don't know already, this is a spoiler full podcast, so. Uh, be forewarned. We're going to talk about stuff that happens before and yet to come for this podcast. Especially in this episode. I want to start by saying this and then we'll dive into the discussion. I forgot how much I fucking loved this episode. Yeah, I agree. I forgot how great this... Actually, I didn't forget because we've been kind of saying like how much Mm -hmm. we've been looking forward to it. I forgot how great this episode. Well, I told you, like I was, I was prepping for it and I get a text from you and you're like, I'm setting up the link. And I'm like, what time is it? Like (laughs) like, two hours just went snap by in an instant. I was really surprised. Um, That's never happened to me before. And that's just because I, I agree. It's, this is, you know, this is my favorite episode of the entire series. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I love Richard so much and they built this, this mysterious character up in such a way that when you finally get his backstory, it's like you can't help but be completely mesmerized by the entire episode to the point that it's almost its own like bottle episode. It is. Well, and and, and, and the bottle is one of the props in the episode. Right. But at the same time, like while it is its own story, its own bottle episode, it fits into the story that is happening right now so perfectly at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I think one of the things that kind of one of the things that makes this episode as great as it is before we even start getting into the deep dive of everything is that it's something, you know, we've had six seasons of the same characters and flashbacks and flash sideways and flash forwards of like all these different characters. Most of this episode is legitimately three actors and it's Nestor Carbonell, Mark Pellegrino and uh, Titus Welliver, who are Richard, Jacob, and the Man in Black. They are the three key characters to this episode. This episode was something fresh that the series hadn't given us in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it stands out as such a great episode. You know what? It was also needed, too. I mean, with the flash sideways and all the questions and just everything. Like, you know, the first half of, of season six is so complicated and Mm -hmm. if you're not diving into and analyzing it every single week like we do it's it's easy to kind of get lost in what's going on um in this last season and i think that abaterno kind of snaps us back to what this show really is you know it's about the island it's about jacob and and the man in black it's about finding this candidate you know and and who Richard really is because throughout the entire series, the one constant is that Richard is everywhere. He never changes. He's it's always the same character. He's always there, whether it's off Island on Island, he's just always there. And I think that that's kind of a cool thing. And we finally get kind of an answer to why Richard is different from everybody else on that Mm -hmm. Island. And that's cool because they don't, there's not another character that they really do that with. Richard is a, I would love, and I've, I've got to look it up, but I never look anything up like this, but I would love to hear Nestor Carbonell actually talk about the way he approached Richard, how he felt about that character kind of, cause he was, he's different. Richard is different than every other character on that show. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because please welcome. Ne- no, I'm just kidding. That would- oh, I even <laughs> believed you for a second. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? <laughs> he's He's been waiting in the wings for the past hour and 48 minutes. That he actually has some real, real things to say about real steel and in the heights. <laughs> he's been sitting on it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been amazing if that were the case. Um yeah, because I don't really think I mean, I don't see maybe it's unfortunately now because of the writer strike, we can't request to have mm-hmm. him on or the actor strike. He he wouldn't be able to talk about Lost if we had him. He on. could talk so, about ice cream. He could talk about ice cream. Yeah, you're right. Um, so it's kind of it's it's rather unfortunate that because of the strike right now, we can't as hard as I've been trying to get some of these people on to talk about these fi- this, the series before we wrap up it kind of puts a whole damper into it because now they wouldn't be able to talk about it even if they could come on mm-hmm. the podcast, which kind of sucks. But yeah, it would be so great to kind of get, as you mentioned, an insight to what he thought about everything with his portrayal of the character to where the story mm-hmm. was going. Cause I'm curious just as much as you are. And he, you know, I want well, to know if he would, how much he knew going into this. Oh, kind of like the Snape thing with JK Rowling and, and the Harry yeah. Potter movies. Yeah. Yeah, like how much did he know about Richard's character going into it? Like how much did the writers tell him, you know, to the point where like, was he just as surprised as we were when he got to read the script for this episode and found out 
all this backstory about Richard. What a cool thing, too, to be kind of like a recurring character on a series like Lost and then being told by the showrunners that you're going to get your own episode where you get to really stretch your acting chops because he proved to be an incredible actor. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's always been awesome, but the range that he showed in this one episode was phenomenal. Phenomenal. there's there's a number of different actors that I feel like had just been giving the been given the opportunity could probably show how much more they have. Mm-hmm. Um, Nestor Carbonell, you're right, has the opportunity in this episode and absolutely pulls it off. He is oh, amazing so in so this episode. Emmy worthy. And another actor who has been on this series um, in two episodes, who you wouldn't know his acting chops by the other project that he is, is Rob McElhenney, um, who most people know as Mac from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He plays Mm. such a crude, idiotic, but lovable character that it really doesn't expand his acting chops. Mm. But if you watch the series that he does now on Apple Plus called Mythic Quest, it's a lot of the same similarities of Mac, but there's so much more to it that Mm -hmm. I told people after watching the first series of that show, I'm like, People don't realize how legitimately good of an actor Rob McElhenney is mm-hmm. until you watch this series. And that's, and that's Nestor Carbonell for sure. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I wish that he did more work. I wish that, like, I would have liked to have seen him actually develop into some sort of leading actor, or leading man, or, or, you know, get his own TV series playing a totally different character because. Every time I have seen him, and he's popped up here and there over the years, right? I get really excited because I love the Richard character so much from Lost. So much from Lost. He's He's been in a couple reoccurring roles since then. I know he was um, uh, he was in the Bates Motel for almost- I never 50, saw that. Me neither. But he was in it for almost the entire series. Um, oh, cool. And I don't know if he's- I don't know if his character is still reoccurring or not, but he's also currently in the morning show with Jennifer Aniston and uh, well, now I have to watch it. Yeah. Which is a series I hear is, is fantastic. Yeah, I know, um, but Reese Witherspoon is. Eh. <laughs> so, I mean, he's, he definitely is still there, but it is a lot of one-off stuff. Uh, up other than like I mentioned Bates Motel and and the morning show. So, but you're right. I'd love to see him take a lead. Yeah, and I think that he's capable of doing it too. You know, him like Naveen Andrews is another example. Fantastic actor. Yeah. Hasn't done much since Lost. And you know, I think that that's why I keep revisiting Lost. Haha, <laughs> mic drop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That just caught me so off guard, and I love it. I think that's why I keep rewatching Lost, though, is because there are all these actors in there that are so, so good, and I don't get to see them anywhere else. Like, I was so excited. Like, for instance, Josh Holloway, I was so excited that he got Colony, and then they ripped Colony from my life. I was so excited when, um, when I heard that Naveen Andrews was going to be on Once Upon a Time. Okay, then, well, not then really. Then that ended. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. exactly. So, oh, or Jorge Garcia when he got that show Alcatraz. I thought it was fantastic on Alcatraz. Yeah, but I I loved when they when he got added to Hawaii 50. 
And when he got the detective badge, when he got the gold badge, Freaking I mean, cried. Who? What Lost fan wasn't excited about that? You know yeah. what I mean? So there's these actors that they got this awesome opportunity to really be a lot of different characters. I mean, flash sideways and on the island, off the island, and you know whatnot. Nestor Carbonal, I think, has from a, from just an actor's point of view, I think he has the best character in this series because he's gotten to play this mysterious character that shows up the whole way. He doesn't have to lead it, but he's just there. And everybody knows that when Richard shows up, shit's about to get real. And not only that, but you're right. He's played like such a mysterious character for so long because I mean, we've seen him since, since season one and now Mm -hmm. are doing meet Richard in season one. I don't remember. I can't remember if he's in season one or not, but regardless, he's been such a mysterious character for so long that I love the fact that we got to a point now where the writers are like, you know what? He's been mysterious long enough. Mm -hmm. Let's give you his backstory. And not only let's give you his backstory, but let's give you a moment at this episode that literally makes people weep. Because I know I freaking cried at the end of this episode. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Which we'll we'll get to it. But what um, a beautiful scene that was, too. God. And it just goes to show you his acting chops, too. But just to mention again, like another actor, you know, we, uh, who's we'd like to see more of Daniel Day Kim, who we mentioned Hawaii Five O was a part of Hawaii Five O for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I got so I got disappointed when he left and the kind of the reasonings behind why he I left. Know. Yeah. And then he got announced that he was joining New Amsterdam, which was another show that I absolutely adore. And then the pandemic hit and it it rewrote everything. And he he did one episode when he was supposed to be a regular for the rest of the series. Oh, and then we, we see him in one episode, the pandemic hits, everything gets shut down. They never bring his character back until the series finale. And I'm like, yeah, it's just like the writer's really? strike with Lost. Do you think yeah. he thinks he's cursed? I don't know. I hope not. I hope not. I mean, that's a terrible question to ask an actor who has had some success. <laughs> Do you think you're cursed? <laughs> you know, you had Lost, which got affected by the writer's strike, and then New Amsterdam. Like, is it your fault? Are you a cancer to television? <laughs> <laughs> Or Elizabeth Mitchell. Oh my gosh, Elizabeth Mitchell when she was uh she was in um Revolution, which I loved. I loved that, that show too. Show. And yeah. the fact that it got canceled, I got pissed. I'm still it, mad you brought up Alcatraz. Cuz I, I liked Alcatraz. I liked Alcatraz too. And it ended on a cliffhanger. That's fucking Fox, man. It is Fox. It's Fox every time. Yeah. Sorry. Oh god. What I got really, the, I got really into that. <laughs> what was the other, what was the other series? There was another series that I, I don't think it had any lost actors in it, but it just made me think of it. Um, there was another series about a group of people going, I think, either to a different time or a parallel Earth to survive because their Earth was in danger. And it wasn't the one hundred. No, it wasn't the one hundred. Um, and they ended, but they ended up going like to a time like where there were dinosaurs and everything, and they had to survive with. I can't remember. Well, Ter- you can oh, think Terra Terra Nova. Terra Nova. I've heard of that show. Yeah, that was another show. I was like, this is fucking amazing. Like this show is fantastic. Yeah. 
canceled after for, Fox. for it was one, Fox, one wasn't season. It? It was Fox. And it was Fox. Yeah, of course it was. Of course Fucking it was. Fox. Anyways, back to uh back to <laughs> yeah, Nestor Carbonal and how yeah. wonderful he is. Uh where do you want to start here? Because there's a lot of stuff to talk about, in my opinion. Um so I let's let's just start at towards the beginning before we get into all of the backstory of Richard. I love the fact that the writers kind of used Richard's character to play along with something that the people who were kind of hating on the show were theorizing, and that is that they were all dead. Yes, they were that, all that dead. Was the from whole the very time. beginning, people were talking about yes. that. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the biggest. It's one of the biggest things that people were kind of complaining about like oh they're all dead they're not alive they all died in a crash this is what this whole this whole show is purgatory whatever and then we get the flash sideways and everybody's like oh they're all dead and then we get to the finale and they're like yeah see i told you they were all dead no they weren't shut up but But also who cares if they were the show was great yeah but then we get that moment in the opening where richard is like well don't you know we're all dead we're in hell yeah and it makes you think like wait a minute, were all these people fucking right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and we get, we do get a resolution to that by the end of the episode. But I love the, actually, even before that, we we get the resolution because there's the moment where Jacob and Richard meet for the first time. Mm. And it's kind of a legitimate throw water, splash water in your face, wake up call. Um but I just love that they throw that out there in the beginning. And it really makes like you could tell it was fun to do with the story, but it was also the writer saying, like, I'm going to play with them a little bit. Yeah. We're going to answer your like, question, but first we're going to mess with your mind. Yeah, exactly. That we're going to make you think for a moment you're right. right. And they're really <laughs> all dead. When right. in fact, you're not, you are completely wrong. Yeah. And I love that they started this episode with that. But it also worked for Richard's character. I also love the fact that they started with this um, kind of this bonfire. You know, everybody hasn't seen each other in a while. And you realize Jack doesn't know that Locke (laughs) is walking around. Yep. I I, I got to that moment too. confusion. He's like. Locke's dead, guys. And somebody's like, I forget who said it. If it makes you feel any better, it's not yeah, really Locke. If it's not, I wrote that line down because it comes from Ben of all people. Oh. And he, he looks at Jack and he's like, if it's any consolation, it's not exactly Locke. Right, 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 and, right. And that, that line made me laugh. But you're right. Like, I got to that moment where, like, where Jack's like, well, Locke is dead. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he doesn't know yet. Right. Crazy. Cause we've yeah. known all season and we've been following along, you know, like it's like it's canon, like everybody knows. Yeah. And then to remember that, oh, Jack, you you don't know. Yeah. Crazy. In fact, in fact Jack, you don't know everything. Weird. <laughs> because weird, Jack. You, you don't know this yet. Uh in fact that Locke, well, Locke is dead. Locke is dead, yeah. Oh. But is his body's walking around. He's not well, a copy of his body is walking around. Mm-hmm. His actual body is his actual body is buried. Buried quite nicely. Yes. Next and to Nikki and Paolo. Whose bodies have been unearthed for yes. diamonds. Grave robber. Grave robber. Miles. Chung. Yeah. Strom. Strom. Thank you. Yes. 
It's, you know why I can't remember? It's because his dad has so many names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it Chung, Chang? I, I don't know. Yeah, um, so many different names. Um, you know, another thing that's great and that it it was nice to see kind of a change in, in Jack in this one small scene when he comes up to Hurley and he goes, what is Jacob telling you? Right. Mm. Like he has accepted the fact that he is not in control of whatever it is that is happening between Hurley and Jacob, but also he doesn't, he doesn't treat Hurley like shit in this episode. And I, I felt, I thought that was really nice, but Hurley has clearly had enough of Jack because he just looks at me. He's like, you know, not everything is, is, is tied to you yeah, or some along the effects of that. And he just walks away. He's like, just, just get out of here. Well, I love it because, yeah, he's like, it's not Jacob, dude. And like, he just flat out tells him like, yeah, like I'm not talking to Jacob. Right. And, and and I love the fact, too, that we get that scene because Hurley is very clearly speaking Spanish. And even I at that moment was like, I don't remember who Hurley is talking to. I didn't either. I But remember I told you forever ago, I said, have we seen the scene already where he's speaking Spanish to an invisible person? I don't remember. I don't remember you bringing that. I've been waiting for this because I thought I was going crazy because I remembered this and we were getting so close to the end. And I'm like, when, when does this scene, is this scene going to show up? Because I swear to you, I've seen this scene and it finally showed up. I was so excited. (laughs) Yeah, but you're right. Like we do get that moment with Jack where Jack approaches Hurley and he's like, what is Jacob saying? And you're, you're right. Because in that moment, like Jack is fully a believer now at this point. He has taken on the man of faith role. And that's kind of something I mentioned a couple episodes ago in the lighthouse. Like the lighthouse was legitimately the switch where Jack, I think, in my opinion, became yeah. the man of faith. To yeah, take I'm, the role I'm that, still that not had. sold on that, but I, I see where you can where you can come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right. Like he he's not questioning, like, oh, like are you at it again, Hurley? You're right. He doesn't treat him like shit. He's, he's a little stark with him. Um, and, and very brunt, but he's not a jerk about it. It's because he's actually on a quest to know kind of what to do next. It's not him with a power struggle or upset or insecure that somebody knows something that he doesn't. He's just, he's really focused on the fact that like, we obviously need to do something next. We don't know what to do next. Hurley will know the answer because he is talking to Jacob. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's nice to see in the fact that he won't that he's not he's not um he's not tr- uh talking to Hurley like he's some kind of a moron. He's not trying to control the situation. He just really earnestly wants to know what to do next cuz he doesn't know. Yeah. He wants to be kept in the loop. He wants the information. But you're right. But, he's not trying to take charge. Right. And that's that's been his flaw this entire series is him always in a power struggle with somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I totally interrupted no, you it's, No, sentence. no, it's it's totally fine. Because um, you make some good points about it, too, is that you're right. He's not. This is. Uh, we, we've come to the point. This is a very different Jack. Um. I don't know. We still press the button once an episode. Let's just get it out of the way now. Jack just sucks. That's my favorite button that you have, (laughs) other than whistle. I was going to say, is it really better than whistle? Whistle! No, nothing's better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Squirrel! 
Um, you know, so yeah, like you're right. Like this is a very different Jack. And like, I was, I was actually just getting ready to say before you say we push the button once an episode is that I don't fully believe it's completely for the good yet Mm -hmm. because I think Jack himself is kind of struggling with the fact that he's becoming, again, he's going from the man of science to the man of faith and he's, he's struggling with that. He doesn't, the thing is, is that he doesn't know his role. He wants to know his role. He doesn't know his role. And he knows that he's supposed to be a piece. He doesn't know how big of a piece of, of this he is, but he is ready to roll up his sleeves and kind of like do the work. Well, because you're right up until this point, And again, kind of the lighthouse being the catalyst of it all mm-hmm. is you're right up until this point jack thought he was the man that was supposed to be responsible he was mm-hmm. the one that was supposed to get them rescued get them off the island get them back on the island he's the one who's always meant to take charge but it's mm-hmm. not until he gets to the lighthouse that he realizes he's only one of six possible people to take that role so now yeah. he's questioning it he's not he's starting to learn that he may not be the person that was meant to do it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe he has been going through this journey, especially in the past couple of episodes, thinking he's the quote unquote chosen one. Mm-hmm. And he's realized that he's one of the chosen six. Yeah. And that's just because everybody else has died or gone crazy by now. There's a possibility that he's not right. the, pers- the, ch- the chosen one. Right. And yeah. For somebody who is always used to being in control of the situation, for somebody who's been regarded as the leader on the island, for somebody who has been, you know, really, really weird about keeping their power, it's nice to see him kind of settling in to to know and to understand that, okay, maybe I'm not the chosen one. Like, let's see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, but... We we talked about Jack a lot more than I thought we were going to this week. <laughs> that always happens. Yeah. Well, I have Not like one Jack, sentence in my notes about Jack, and for some reason, we've spent like ten minutes talking about him. Well, I mean, it, it always happens that we there's always little things that we end up spending more time on than we ever intentionally mm-hmm. did. It's one of the reasons why I don't write out full notes. I legitimately just write bullet points. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's all I do, and then when I figure out a way to bring them up what if we talk about it for a minute we talk about it for a minute if we talk about it for an hour we talk about it for an hour right um but yeah i mean like we've already talked about the fact that richard claims that they're all dead because that's what he believes at this point uh and the line that ben says if it's any consolation it's not exactly luck you know and i do i do like the fact that um ben is Ben's knowledgeable on Richard in ways that everybody else at the fire pit isn't, including Alana. And Alana is somebody who um, feels that she is the leader at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, she's assumed the Jack role kind of, and and the jackass part of that that role. Yeah. Um, but Ben says, "I met him when I was twelve. He looked like that." Mm-hmm. You know, and anybody that's been on the island and has time skipped and has seen Richard during the time skipping also knows why does Richard look the same? Why? Yeah. Like he's not time skipping with us because he doesn't know us some of the, some of the times, which is totally weird. Um, but it also brings up the fact that uh, Ben met 
Richard even before he was 12 years old and doesn't remember it, which, um, which shows that when he took, when Richard took a shot, Ben to go heal him and said, he won't be the same. He won't remember any of this, that that was true. Cause he doesn't remember when Richard came to visit him. Well, isn't that when he was 12? No, it was before. No, I'm talking about before all that. Yeah, I mean, he was, but he didn't know. I I don't think he remembers meeting Richard and asking to go with him before he was shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know I, what I'm talking yeah. about? Yes, yes. So, I mean, I thought that that was really interesting to just kind of like also remind us that, you know. Even the first time that Ben recollects is not the first time. Correct. Yes. Correct. Thank you, because I... For some reason, I had no words to explain what I was trying to explain. <laughs> um, you know, one of the other things about this about this cold open of the series, too, is that it, it starts off immediately with Jacob in the hospital talking to Alana, mm-hmm. which we've seen this scene already, but now we're getting a little bit more context to it. We're getting a little bit more of that conversation. And I find it very interesting that Jacob says the remaining candidates. Mm. So whenever this point happens in time because we don't know exactly when this happens like we don't know where this falls in the timeline is this while they're on the island is this after jack and the oceanic six have gotten off the island and before they've gone back like we don't Mm -hmm. know where this falls but what we do know by that conversation is that by this point jacob has already written off all but six people or it might or not they're be dead. Well, yeah, and, and it might not be six because he just says remaining. Yeah, so maybe it was that the, the list because the list was hundreds of people. Yeah. Um. And obviously, it uh, Jacob talking to Alana about what her job is going to be is over a significant amount of time because when we see her, she's covered in bandages, mm-hmm. and then in their last conversation in this episode, she's. Very healed. healed. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that that's interesting to see that they it this is not like Jacob coming into Hurley's cab, having one conversation with him and, and disappearing forever. Yeah. This is an established relationship that Jacob has made with Alana. So yeah. she is so she is a one thousand percent follower of Jacob. Because she's gotten all this devoted time with him. And and I'm pretty sure, I, I think it's a confident thing to say, too, that the reason why she is healed is most likely Oh, yeah, likely he puts his hand on her shoulder yeah. during this episode. That's which, the gift that know, he gives her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, awesome. Uh, one of the other things I find very interesting, too, and it leads into something that happens a little bit later on, that I'm starting to discover the more and more we learn, because we've already mentioned how flawed Jacob really is. Like, he is not a straight-up good character. And we get a little bit more of that in this episode, too. But there's one thing that's said in this episode that really made me question something. And there's a moment after Jacob and Richard meet, or Ricardo at that point. Ricardo. Um, after the whole drowning in the water, making him realize he's actually alive and he doesn't want to die anymore. But the moment before he gives him the gift of eternal life, we get the conversation where Richard says to Jacob, what's in there? And Jacob tells him, nobody goes inside unless they're invited. 
And it leads me to believe and think about two things. One, nobody who works for Jacob has all of the information. There are different people who do different jobs for Jacob, but nobody knows everything. All of them only have pieces of the information. So even the people that are in Jacob's circle, only together do they know the complete puzzle. Nobody knows it individually. Live together, die alone. Yeah. Um, the other thing that, that makes me realize, too, is that has Ben been invited? Because Ben is able to enter. Unless it's the man in black's invitation that Ben kind of like rides in on. Yeah, but. But Jacob says no one can Jacob enter without being invited. Right. And Jacob wouldn't allow man in black to get in there. No. Unless so then, he allowed for it to happen. So then, or. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. So if nobody was, is nobody is able to enter without being invited. Mm-hmm. How were the man in black and Ben able to enter to confront Jacob. So I think this is this is an honest to god unanswered question slash pothole uh, plot hole of of the story, only because Miles tells Ben a few episodes ago that Jacob was confused when he killed him because he thought that he he was hoping that he would be wrong about you. Mm-hmm. So. Did like Jacob, Jacob would only let them in if he knew, okay, this is where I die. This is where it's going to happen. Unless it's, you know, maybe Jacob is thinking, you know, my brother and um, Ben are going to come in and I'm going to finally be able to prove to my brother that we're not, that people are not inherently corrupt. Like Ben's not going to kill me. I'm going to let him Mm. in here. Ben's not going to kill me, but he also has to be okay with the real fact that I, this might be the end for Jacob. Well, it makes me question too, that maybe dying was always part of the plan. Right. For Jacob. Yeah. I mean, because he has somebody there that he can communicate with past death. So Mm -hmm. he's not completely out of the loop. If he dies, Um, he knows for a fact by this episode uh, alone that the man in black is never going to stop. He says, Mm -hmm. I'm going to kill you one day. And Jacob tells him, well, you know, somebody will just take my place. Well, then I'll kill them too. So really the only way to stop him is to legitimately stop him. Like you have to kill him. Jacob can't do that. He needs someone to do it for him. Right. So maybe it's always been part of Jacob's plan that he had to die in order for that to happen. And he didn't really die because, I mean, you think about it, Hurley is still able to communicate with him. Mm-hmm. And he's so he's still an active part of the island. His wonder, physical presence is gone. Yes. Yes. Which is interesting to me that he didn't do what the man in black did by just invading someone else's body. Well, okay. I'm questioning that now. Because he could have done that with Dogen. He could have done that with Dogen. Oh, you mean after he was after he was killed? Correct. Yes, you're right. Um, I'm questioning, though, whether or not he had the ability to take the form of other people similar to the man in black. Interesting. 
And what leads me to believe that I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, but this, you know, if you've listened to the podcast this long, you know, that's what happens. This is the first time in any episode we have seen somebody who has been deceased and the black smoke monster in the same scene. And it happens with Isabella on the black rock. Isabella is in oh, the yeah, ship yeah. talking to Richard while the black smoke monster is outside. So you're saying maybe that Jacob presented form- himself yes. to Richard in the form of Isabella. Yes. Because we but have the black- never we have black- never we have never seen the black smoke monster and somebody he takes the form of in the same scene together. Uh-uh. Oh, wait. Have we? Because every time they've, they've been, they've been, it's kind of like you never see Superman and Clark Kent in the same room. Huh. You never see oh, maybe. Christian I mean- Shepard and the Black Smoke Monster in the same room. You never see Notlock and the Black Smoke Monster in the same scene. They are always two separate entities because they are the same person. Well, it's it's pretty much established that Black Smoke Monster is not Locke. I thought you were talking about Jacob taking the form of like Isabella or Jacob taking that, yeah, the form of Christian. That's what I'm saying. But he never because... took the form of, of Locke. What? I no, thought you were leave, saying... No, leave Locke out of this. I'm talking about Isabella and Richard and the right. Black Smoke Monster. Got it, got it, got it. When Isabella is presenting herself to Richard, the black smoke monster is outside. We yep. have never seen him exist as two different characters at the same time. So if that means if the black smoke monster was outside, who was Isabella? Then it was Jacob. That's what I mean. I'm questioning yeah, no, you're right. totally if Jacob right. had the ability to do it and we just haven't seen it until now. That's a good catch. That's a very good catch. That's very subtle. Good job. I mean, seriously, either, either that or it's another plot hole. Or he's uh, he's Voldemort and he's, you know, this is a Horcrux. It's just got, he's splitting his yeah. soul in different pieces. But I mean, but if that's so, let's say that that is the case. And Jacob does have the ability to do that. And he presented himself to Richard. That in itself, if that is what happened and that is the case. That in itself goes against what Jacob says later to Richard in that people need to learn to help themselves. Mm, mm-hmm. Because if that's what you believe, why would you present yourself to Richard as Isabella? Unless Richard it's would. just to, unless it's legitimately just to motivate him to stay strong. I mean, he, he was about to die. Yeah, for sure. About to die. And, you know, I, I really this is where when I really struggle with with Jacob as as a, as a character that he is, because he knew that Richard was shackled on that ship. He knew that he had tried everything imaginable to get out of those shackles. He, he tried everything short of cutting o- off his own hands. And um, he never came to help. He never came to, to lend a hand. And Man in Black finally did, right? So you get this feeling in the beginning of um, of Richard's time on the island 
this is what's so great about, about man in black is that you convince yourself that he's really the good guy and you've been wrong the whole time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh wait, no, I'm wrong. You're really the bad guy. Cause he, cause he's like, um, the devil is out there, you know, but I'll, I'll make you a deal and I'll get you out of here, but you have to do whatever I say. No questions asked. Right. You, you have to do, um, to, to Richard and Richard's like, yes, yes, yes. Not realizing he just literally made a deal with the devil. Yeah. And he's been scared of the devil the entire time. Well, I, well, again, I'm not a religious person, but what does it say in the Bible about the biggest thing the devil ever did was making people believe he didn't exist? No, that's from Usual Suspects. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. I, I, don't, I didn't know if it was a real Bible quote or not. That's again, verbal kint. That's a verbal kint from, from, uh, from Usual Suspects. The okay. greatest trick the, de- the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he'd never exist, that he okay. didn't exist. But it, but it kind of plays into that. Yeah, it does. It, you know, there's he's... a huge faith, uh, Christianity and religious uh, theme throughout this entire episode. You know, um, what you call the drowning scene is really a baptism. Yeah. No, you know? that, I, that I see. Right. So, I mean, in that baptism, Richard realizes that he wants to live. He is made new again. Mm-hmm. He is now... Um, he is now a believer in Jacob. His past no longer matters because he has accepted Jacob because he has been baptized in water by Jacob. So he has become this new character. So now are this new um, person rather. So it's, it's just so funny to me because poor Richard has been manipulated and lied to by these two brothers so much that if I were Richard, I would be, I, I don't understand why he's like, I want to live. I'd be like, get me off this Island. I don't care if it means I die. I just, I don't know where I ended up. This is, this is just, you know, well, crazy. I mean, the, the fear of dying comes from never being able to see Isabella again. And that's something that's kind of driven into him. Even before he makes it to the Island, that priest, when he's locked up in the Canary islands is the one that tells him, I, I can't absolve you by the way, a horrible fucking priest. Right? Terrible. For somebody to say, like, I can't absolve you. Like, I can't absolve you of your sins. I can't give you this release before you die. No, you're going to hell. That is a horrible priest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not to mention, he he accidentally killed the doctor who was refusing to help his dying wife. Yeah. And yeah, then I, and then the priest sells him. Mm-hmm. So, good okay, job, har- priest. Yeah. Way to go horrible priest but but worst priest ever (laughs) but getting to my point um you know getting to my point in that the fear that priest is really the catalyst that kind of gives him that fear of dying and because he feels he's going to go to hell which means he's never going to be reconnected with isabella again and it's almost like the man in black knows that and kind Mm. of preys upon that which again counter to the point i made earlier if the man in black does have the ability to be two different people at one time, it's just something we've never seen before, but it would make sense that he would play Isabella and then play kill himself as Isabella because then Richard buys into wanting to be freed. Yeah. So what if, what if the, the, the man in black or Jacob or whoever it is, is doing it. They don't present themselves to these characters as as you know certain people 
they just present themselves as the manifestation of the person that that character wants to see the most that would be affected to by that they would be affected by the most. Like with Jack, it was Christian Shepherd. There was no way really to know that, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's been Christian Shepard. It's been Anthony Cooper. It's been for, uh, for, uh, for Hurley, it? Man it was in Dave. Black. It's, for Man in Black, it's been the little boy. But why would he, why would he be presented? Why would he present himself with someone? Well, so I think it's Jacob that is doing that because he can't know exactly who he's presenting himself as to these yeah, people. Yeah, but Christian Shepard has always, has already been confirmed to be the man in black. Then I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Christian Shepard has always been the man in black. Like I, but again, you're right. I, I think there is hints that Jacob does have this ability and he just doesn't use it very often because you're right. We see the little boy, Jacob, being presented to the man in black because Sawyer sees it too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that scene. So oh, maybe yeah, Jacob, like, who's a little boy, maybe Jacob does have this ability. He just doesn't use it. Mm. Uh, you know? So uh, like, I, I don't know. It's so I guess it's possible. So I guess like in the case of, of Richard, it is possible that he did present himself as somebody who would be affected by Richard the most. He doesn't know who that's going to be going in because it's it's only it's only Richard that's going to know who's going to affect him the most, right? And it's Isabella, yeah. right? And then maybe it's that man in black overhears that conversation and preys upon that that vulnerability when it comes to Isabella when it comes to his wife and he's just so kind when he shows up, he has water, he unlocks his, he unlocks his, uh, his stuff. He goes, now that you're free, come with me. And, and, uh, and I'm going to shackle you to the deal that you made with me. So he's not really free. He's never been free. Well, and I also find it very interesting in that scene where the man in black, um, which by the way, this is the first episode we really get to meet the man in black. We've talked about him a lot and we get a glimpse of him in the finale of the last season with the incident with him and that and Jacob and that scene on the beach. But until now, that's all we've gotten. Jacob calls him the man in black for the very first time Mm -hmm. in the series too, which is very cool. Which, which is great. Um, But by the way, Titus Welliford is a fantastic character actor. Um, actually, I don't even want to say t- character actor because he's been the lead in a bunch of he in the television series Bosch. He is Bosch. Um, oh yeah, he is Bosch. Yeah, so he's been the lead in stuff before. Um, but I love in that scene, and this is something we've kind of touched on in the past couple episodes. That conversation with with Richard, <clears throat> where he mentions, you know, I, like the devil killed you know, Isabella, but he also mentions like, well, you know, the black smoke killed all the crew members. Oh, well, that was me. Mm -hmm. He doesn't lie. He doesn't. He does not lie. He He And I think that's one of the characteristics that make you kind of want to believe he actually is a good guy, but he's not. Mm-hmm. Is that he just never lies to anybody now? But he, nobody um, asks him the right questions at the same time. And that's time. just it. He omits information, but he doesn't lie when he gives you the information he gives you. Right. Right. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. Did you notice that um, the black smoke monster actually like 
he not scans, but assesses Richard. Like he comes up and he, he weaves his way up to Richard and he just like, he doesn't swallow him whole like he does everybody else. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's done that with two other characters, right? He's done that with echo and he's done that with, um, Juliet, right? Those are the three characters that he's never, that he has gotten close to, but hasn't killed. And I'm wondering if it's because those three characters were mentally strong, whether they knew it or not, right? They were not, um, moldable like Locke or like, um, well, like Locke, right? Locke was easy to manipulate. He was easy to inhabit. He was easy to control because he wasn't mentally strong. He never was mentally strong. But you look at these other three characters and, and it's, it's just interesting to me that, um, Oh yeah. This says, ask Ben his thoughts on this. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben, what are your thoughts on this? So, I mean, was he too, were, were these three characters, including Richard, were they just too good to kill? Like at the very heart of it, were they just too good to kill? Were like, were they proven to stand up to be good, um, uh, adversaries or whatnot. I mean, I really do think that, that they wasted, um, Mr. Echo's character. I think that he could have been an end of the story, um, end game candidate. I, I, I agree with you there. I mean, and the unfortunate part about this is that we did, there has been reports lately that have come out as to reasons why, um, the, the actor that played, him was not used very often. Right. The same thing with, with Harold Perrineau and, mm -hmm. and Michael. Um, it's recently too. Yeah. yeah. There's been some behind the scenes stuff about minorities on, on the series and stuff, which is rather unfortunate. Um, but you're right. There could have been so much more done with, with that character with, with mm -hmm. Echo. Um, but as far as your question as to like, were the characters too good? Um, I'd say yes and no, because like, I can definitely see it from that point in that mm -hmm. like these characters are too good hearted. He feels they probably never be able to break them as to getting them under his will. Um, Juliet, I can absolutely see that in um, and, and the same with Echo. But I don't know if I fully buy that with Richard because he still does get Richard to attempt However, to murder Jacob. One thing that is never shaken until maybe one episode ago is Richard's faith has been unshakable. He, he prays almost the entire time in his flashback. He is very, very dedicated to getting absolution from the priest. He wears his, his wife's cross. He is a devout Catholic man. And I think that that kind of unshakable religious faith and, and echo had that unshakable kind of religious faith as well in his own way. I think that that's impenetrable. Um, I I'm going to be against you on this one. Yeah, do it. I think he loses that faith when he joins Jacob, his faith changes. He no longer is that Christian you think man. Richard loses his faith. Yes. Uh, because he even what he buries the cross. But that's because his faith is now in Jacob. Yes. Well, that's what the point I was making. It's no right. longer the Christian faith that he is in. Okay. 
but it's that kind of, of rock solid faith. Okay. is what I'm talking about from, yeah, from a faith, from having faith in something and firmly believing in that faith. Yes, I agree with you. It's unshakable. It's something that he doesn't, he never loses. Mm-hmm. It does change. Mm-hmm. When it he's goes, baptized, it change changes. Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah, the baptism, because he buries the cross. Yeah. Um, he buries his past because yes. Jacob tells him his past no longer matters. Which he does learn by the end of this episode that was a mistake. Right. Which we'll get to when we get to that. When we right. get to that moment. Um, but yeah, you're right. He gives up his faith in Christian in Christianity and in God for Jacob. Who he and, believes to be a God figure anyways, but this is a tangible God figure that yes. he can talk to. It's not a blind faith because he has met Jacob. Well, and his blind faith got him nowhere in his mind and got him on a slave ship shackled after a storm almost dead well not only that but he had this blind faith in god for his entire life basically only to be told that he was never going to meet him he was going to hell by something that was an accident priest right yes so you're right i mean that's the first time his his faith has been shaken was Mm -hmm. when he had to question it and then that happens again like you said, most recently in that Jacob is gone and he now questions his purpose. It's the only time since the death of his wife, since death of Isabella, his faith has ever been shaken. Which is like, I think like 140 years or something I did, like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I wrote down it's 1867. Right. That all of this happens. Give or, and then it's probably give or take a year, depending on like, how what, long 2010, because it's three I, years after the crash. No, it will, yeah, it's probably like 2010, 2011 at this point. Right, yeah. is is where we're supposed to be in this storyline. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's 100 plus years mm-hmm. he has had this faith in Jacob. Which is way longer than he had faith in God before his baptism on yeah. the island. You know, and Jacob has provided uh, signs to that faith that he was on the right track. Um. And it was interesting to me that he also changed Jacob's mind, you know, um, at the very end, because Jacob said, I can't get involved. I can't, you know, I, the, the, the deal is, is that, you know, I'm supposed to prove that people are good with their free will, with their free will at heart, but I can't get involved and I can't, you know, I can't be that person. I think, uh, Richard says something along the lines of, um, well, why can't you do that? Or or why can't you show them that that's what the no, purpose is here? He says, well, then you're just leaving the man in black to do it. That's right. That's what yeah. it is. And that, that shakes Jacob. Yeah. And it's weird that nobody's ever said that to Jacob before, which is why Richard was such a good person to be his intermediary. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, because that's that's the decision where he comes around and he's like, I, you know, like, why don't you do? I can't have this direct influence, but you can do it for me. Which I think is cheating. Oh, it's absolutely cheating the game. Yeah. And it yeah. proves that Jacob is a flawed character again, that he's cheating at this game with his brother by um, by using Richard in the way that he's about to use Richard. Mm-hmm. You know, and he. He, I feel that Jacob, when he gives Richard everlasting life, I think he knows that it is a mistake to do it 
on Richard from Richard's point of view, but Richard is so vulnerable at, at the time and scared of hell at the time that he's asking for it. And Jacob uses that to his advantage because he doesn't want to find another intermediary after the span of a human life. And I think that that's him cheating the system twice. So he's now cheating the system by getting involved with these people that come to the island through Richard. And he's cheating the system by making sure that Richard never ages. So he never has to find another intermediary. I can see that, especially, yeah, I didn't really consider that the whole giving him life to make sure that he doesn't have to do this again. Right. Um, you know, cause it was hard enough probably up until this point to find someone he would trust enough to do it. He doesn't want to have to go through that process again. Yeah. And Richard was really honest with him. Like he wasn't scared to talk to him, which probably has happened maybe in the past that they're scared to talk to, to Jacob because he's this overarching, you know, figure. Well not, well, not only that, but they have the fear instilled in them right from the beginning from the man in black to mm. not talk to Jacob. Right, right. Because he he's the devil. Yeah. He tells him it's it's so funny because I have this written down in one of my notes is that the man in black gives the same instructions to Richard that about Jacob that Dogen gave to Saeed about the man in black. Right. In that you have to do it swiftly. You cannot allow him to say a word to you because once you talk to him, it's over. Yeah. I think that that on, on, um, Dogen's side though, I think that Dogen knew that that was never going to work because, uh, he lock, not lock had already been shot in the chest several times and nothing happened. And I think that Dogen knew that there was no way that, Saeed could kill the man in black or not block, but he was just trying to get rid of Saeed and get Saeed to die. Well, I think we kind of talked about that before too, because right. they tried to kill him once already. Right. In drowning him in the in the the pool. And that he came back from that. So okay, we'll send him to do a deed that he's never gonna come back from. Right. Right. And he has that darkness in him. But which you see in the in the in the captain of the black rock too, when he goes down and he starts killing all of the slaves that are chained to the wall and he claims that it's for supplies or whatever. And I'm like, no, you can tell in your eyes, you have been infected with the darkness that Claire and Saeed and Danielle Rousseau have also had in the past. Well, cause I found that sign that scene interesting too, because I'm thinking about this and I tried to put myself in the, the, the body of that captain. Well, not the captain because the captain had died. Um, but of that officer. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, you are trapped on a desert Island. You are so far inland that you are going to have to try to find ways to survive, which means you got to build shelter. You have freaking free labor. Why are you killing them all? How about the fact that he just assumed that there was no fresh water on the Island? Yeah. You didn't even explore it. You just crashed. There's no fresh water. Well, I happen to know <laughs> after six seasons that there's plenty of water and food on the island. Yeah, there's ways to survive. So and that's again, why I had, think. So that's why I think the, that you have infected with the darkness. I can see that. That's something I didn't even really think about either. But again, like even if they weren't, you had people to do all the work for you, and you killed them all. Oh. You would have had to give them water and coconuts. Like it's come on, like. That was a poor mistake. So a poor priest and a poor officer on the boat. 
It's amazing that Richard ever talked to another white man again. (laughs) (laughs) Especially Jacob, who is the whitest of all white men on that island. And drowning him in the ocean. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Going back to that too real quick, one of the points I wanted to make about that is that I find it very interesting that Richard put his faith in Jacob in that moment because of the fact that two of the things he asked for, Jacob wouldn't give him. He said he couldn't do it. He said he couldn't, but still, like, I would question putting my faith in someone who couldn't do things for me. Who couldn't bring back the dead? Well, but again, but it's, but not if you believe in somebody like they're a god. Which I guess he was put, which he was believing in that time. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, so mm-hmm. like, you know, he, he says like he wanted to bring Isabella back and he couldn't do that. What was the second thing? I can't what remember. What was the second thing? I can't. Was it to not? Oh, no, I think it was to not. It was to not go to hell. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then that's can what you made give, Richard. Yeah. And that's can what you made give Richard, me absolution or something? Yes. Yeah. And that's what Richard said. That, and that's what made Richard say, well, then I just don't want to die. Right. But you're right. Like, but I mean, like I said, for somebody to put their but, faith in someone who won, couldn't bring someone back or at the very least give them absolution. And the this thing is, is that couldn't absolve Jacob me, but yet I still put my faith in him. But Jacob prayed on the fact that Richard was scared to go to hell. He could have given him peace of mind by saying, you sh- like, don't listen to whatever somebody has told you, you know? If it, yeah. it was an accident or whatever, I think he prayed on that. Oh, oh, you don't want to die? Well, I'm going to find a loophole, and technically, I'm going to make sure that you never die because that will benefit me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think poor, poor Richard, Jacob, and the Man in Black both prayed on weaknesses of people, but they really did it a number on Richard. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's it's a question why he didn't have a a. a shake up in his faith earlier mm-hmm. because of all this. Well, I mean, he really fell off the deep end too with, he's like, no, no, none of this matters. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're all dead. I'm dead. We're all dead. You know, like yeah. he just, and he's been, he's been slowly devolving the last couple of episodes, you know, when he comes out of the woods and he starts telling Sawyer, don't follow him. Don't do any of that. Don't, whatever you do. Oh, oh, he's coming. I gotta go. And then he runs back into the woods. But- like he's going nuts. But it also kind of goes back to to the point I made earlier about how there are all these people that work for Jacob, but none of them have all the information. Because remember, what caused Richard to finally have this shakeup in faith is finding out this system of candidates he knew nothing about Mm. and finding out he's not one of them. Finding out that he, like, why have candidates when you have somebody like Richard that has been faithfully by your side doing exactly what you say you're looking for for the past 140 years? Well, that's what I mean. Like, that's right. the part, that's what finally gave Richard his his lack of faith or his question, his faith, is that I've been doing the job that this candidate is supposed to do. Why am I not automatically this person? I've been right. doing it for over 100 years. Right. Why am I not already that? Why am I not already this person? Well, I mean, we saw Ben go through the same, the same thing, you know, Mm -hmm. which is why he ended up killing Jacob in the first place is because Ben thought the same thing about himself. 
that which, he was the guardian. Which makes me question. Do you think there would have ever been a point where Richard would have done what Ben did and killed Jacob if Ben hadn't done it first? No, no, because Richard, Richard's character was fundamentally changed when he accidentally killed that doctor. And I don't know that he right, would ever kill another human again. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I didn't even really consider. So yeah, that's he, a, he is at heart a really good dude. He's just ben, been treated poorly, but, and he's still a good dude. Like when you look at, when you look at Ben, Ben was treated horribly too. And he had a lot of darkness in him. He just channeled hmm. it differently. Well, Claire. Well, well, that's also remember too when it comes to Ben versus Richard is that Richard, once he turned to Jacob, Man in Black no longer had influence over him, and mm. Man in Black pretty much stayed away from Richard as far as we know because mm-hmm. he knew he was working for Jacob. Man in Black had influence over Ben. They were both playing Ben. Yeah. So that darkness that Ben had was because of the influence of Man in Black. Ben always thought he had control of the Black Smoke Monster. He was the one that let it loose to do his bidding. Right. When in fact, that was really the work of the Man in Black. Like he made well, I mean, think that. Ben abused that privilege. Mm-hmm. That's something that would never cross Richard's mind is to abuse a privilege like that, like, like yeah. the Black Smoke, which I think is why... Ben is, you know, the dark side of the guardianship. It's so funny because it's almost like it's Ben and Richard without understanding that they are intermediaries for Jacob and the man in black. And you're looking at like the physical manifestation of that little war between the two of them with the pawns that they've chosen. Yeah. But again, well, yeah, which again goes to the point where we initially thought Richard was a rook or a knight. And he's just another pawn. How about game. the fact that we all thought that Richard was a guardian? I mean, without even saying Including it. Richard. Right. So when yeah. they find out that there's can like when we as audience members find out that there's candidates to be a guardian and there's, there's these six people or whatever. I mean, I can remember watching this going, wait a minute, Richard's not in charge. I thought Richard was in charge. Mm-hmm. Like you are led to believe that Richard is in charge yeah. of everything. Like he's the godlike figure because he doesn't age. He's always there. Well, I mean, and this episode also makes me question something we've been saying for a while too, in that the candidate is supposed to be the guardian of the island. Like that's the person that they're chosen to be. Is that the case? Because they're technically the new Jacob. So they're not really just a guardian. They're kind of the new God when it comes to that island. Do you think that when Jacob died, Richard's eternal life has stopped? No, because I think Richard has said even at that point that he's been trying to kill himself. Oh, 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 that's right. That's right. That's right. So he like he is because he questions that he says now that Jacob is gone. He's like, why is not my gift? Right. Why can I still not die? Right. Because your gift is a curse. Um, Yeah. So speaking about the guardians, um, and the candidates, I, I feel that we see Hurley um, in his first true act of being a guardian of the Island by getting to Richard before not did when Richard was screaming that he had changed his mind. Yeah. And 
by Hurley showing up before the man in black, before not lock. I think that that's why I think he saved the Island and he saved, he saved the darkness from being released from the Island in that moment because he brought Richard back to reality a little bit in that scene that we both love so much with him and Isabella. That scene is so beautifully done. Mm. And again, like I wasn't expecting it because I knew I remembered this loving this episode, but I didn't remember all the reasons why. And we get to that scene with him and Isabella And I love when movies or television series do this, where you have two people that are talking to each other through somebody else, but they do it in such a way that they remove that person, Mm -hmm. that in-between, where it seems like they're talking to each other. Mm -hmm. We know, as an audience, it's really Hurley, but we don't need to see it. We know it's there. We know that's what's happening. We just want to see the two of them. It's so beautifully done. It's so beautifully done. And when she finally disappears and, and you know, you, cause it goes behind Hurley. And by the time that you come uh, on Hurley's other side and he's just standing there by himself, but you can see that he really does feel her on his face. Mm -hmm. He feels her by his side and it's like that restoration of faith. It's that, okay, I can do this. I I remember, I remember that, you know, I am a good person and that I don't need to go to this, to this darkness, you know, just because I've lost my faith. Like, I think that Hurley renews his faith. Well, not only that, but I feel like not only does Hurley restore his faith, but I, I honestly feel like Richard feels in that moment he's absolved. Yes, because his wife absolved him. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, exactly. Yeah, he got, Isabella, he got the closure that he needed. Yes, Isabella absolved him because she tells him, we've always been together. I know. He's been absolved this whole time. He just never knew it because of the two men that were playing him. Right. Right. And it takes Hurley, the the soon to become the new true guardian of that island. Right. To make Richard realize I'm absolved. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. And then you see in the distance, not Locke realizes that he got there too late. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love that scene too, because like you get to see that big tree, it's in the background, which is where Richard, which was you know, a tiny little cross. tree beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. It's this huge growing tree. And then like, you do the zoom out after that scene and you just zoom out to not lock. Mm-hmm. And he, he's staring at the tree and then he stares at the, at the, the off camera side mm-hmm. and then that's it. Yeah. And it's, and, and you know that man in black has lost one of the battles. He lost the round. Yep. And that it, it, there's something satisfying to that at the end because you really believe that he's winning at this point. I mean, he's gathering the troops. He's killed Jacob. He has manipulated everybody to think that he is really out for everyone else's um benefit. The way even the way that is presented to the audience and the fact that he um that he saves Richard 
gets him out of the chains. He gives him food. He gives him water. He um, kind of restores his energy a little bit. The Man in Black is written so perfectly, and he is played so perfectly by um, by Titus, whatever his name is, and uh, Terry Terry O'Quinn. Um, Welliver, yeah. Just beautifully played um, by these two men. And you really, I mean, the audience struggles with who is really good and who is really bad, who's dark, who's light. And it's not until the scene where Jacob explains the island and the darkness versus the light with the analogy of that wine in the bottle that as an audience member, you truly understand what the objective is, Mm -hmm. what Jacob's objective is. Because up until that point, you're really led to believe that all the man in black wants is just to get off the island. He just wants to go. He he wants to get away from there because up until, up until now, it's only been presented as man in black wants to leave. Jacob wants to stop him. That's all it really is. And then we find out there's so much more behind that in that if he leaves all this evil goes with him and it affects the entire world. And this island is the cork on top of that bottle that keeps it all in. Right. I thought the bottle was the island and the cork was the guardian. No, he, no, Jacob says the island is the cork. Okay. Because don't forget again, and this is going into spoiler territory. We legitimately see a cork later. When they're down, there's that cave where the well That's is. Right. There's yeah. that whole huge bowl. Wow, I forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. There is a legitimate cork on You're this right. island. That's hilarious. I totally that we forgot will see about later. that. Yeah, no, the island itself is the cork keeping the evil in. That's right. That's right. And the um, guardian is protecting the cork. So the dagger, um, the dagger that has been passed around as you know the dagger that can kill jacob and the dagger that can kill um man in black right is um it's a pugio which was a dagger used by roman soldiers as a sidearm so it was intended as an auxiliary weapon but its exact purpose for the soldier remains unknown so this particular dagger what well this dagger was a common weapon of assassination and suicide. Uh, for example, the conspirators who stabbed Julius Caesar used a, a Pugio, Pugio, Pugio. Um, what's interesting is that this particular dagger in the show um, has inscriptions on it, Roman inscriptions and in, in, on it, and it's Remulus, it's Ro- Remus and Romulus who are the two brothers that founded Rome to begin with. And um, they were raised by a wolf mother, um, which is why I wish that my daughter was here because she's so good at mythology. Um, So Remus and Romulus, the story, the myth is, is that Remus and Romulus were two brothers that were found in the woods by a wolf And she took them in and raised them as her own, as pups. And then once they got old enough, they both wanted power of Rome, which they founded. And they started a war between the two of them. And ultimately, uh, Remus ended up losing. And Romulus, Rome, prevailed. Mm. Um, So it's interesting to me that there's this inscription on this dagger that has Remus and Romulus on it, which is very, which is, you know, heavily implied 
that we have Jacob in Man in Black as Remus and Romulus here. And later we're going to figure out that they did live in a den. They lived as feral children. They had this mother who was like a, a, a mother wolf kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I like that kind of uh, parallel that's happening. But it's so funny that everybody thinks that this dagger is some kind of magic dagger. It's just a it's dagger. Just, it's just a dagger. Yeah. Just a, the, it's just a dagger. The story behind it is is the magic, but even right. though it's it's made up. Right. Pretty much at this point. We've kind of discovered that this is a it, it's a made up story. Yeah. There's it holds no power. Right. But, you know, and and the whole don't let him talk to you first or it or it won't work. I don't think it's because it's a magic dagger that understands when speech has happened. I think it's because they're both man and black and Jacob are just so persuasive. They're so convincing. Well, well, not only that, but like you have two men that are absolutely convincing in their stories and their convictions and you're sending in somebody who is at their weakest point and most malleable. Mm -hmm. So you have two opposite ends of the spectrum that do Mm -hmm. not work together. Like you have somebody who's incredibly charismatic talking to somebody who is incredibly impressionable. Yes, you are going to get them very easily on your side. So yeah, you're right. The whole don't talk to them, you have to do it beforehand, has nothing to do with magical abilities. It's that I don't want you to be taken into them. Right. I don't want you to be taken in by their story. I don't want to lose you as my pawn. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The whole game is the the whole show is a chess game. Absolutely, we've been talking about that for right. seasons now. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But it's just really driven into you in this last season, just how how much of a chess game it really is between these two characters, Remus and a, Romulus. Or it's a checkers game, and Richard just got kinged. No, okay. that doesn't work. Nah, it doesn't I don't know. I like I, I, I wish that Richard ended up being the guardian, honestly. If it wasn't gonna be Hurley. He rightfully deserves it. But totally, totally also deserves at it. also at the same time, now this is legitimate. I do not remember what happens to Richard. I don't either. I hope he dies. I and, hope he and, gets to die. And that's just it. I think the only reason why, because I honestly don't remember, and I'm not gonna look it up because I don't want to spoil that for myself. Yeah. Um, I, that's just it up until this point. I wished he would become the guardian. There's a part of me that always hoped he would be, but now after this episode, no, I, I want him to be with Isabella. I don't want him to take over as guardian of the Island. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Or, you know, maybe he can just be like, can, can we just have Isabella be shown to him so that he can at least just like hang out with her? And then they can not yeah. age together. Yeah, let them actually see each other and, you know, I don't know. Would have been weird if Jacob took the body of Isabella. No, no, let's not. <laughs> no. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Um, um, let's see. Whitfield. What was okay. it? Whitfield. Mr. Whitfield sounds a whole lot like Woodmore. Okay, that was going to be my next point. Um, is the connections of the people on the boat, on the Black Rock. Before we go to that real quick, because mm-hmm. I, I want to hear what you have to say, there's one more thing I want to talk about with um, with Jacob and Man in Black, just just for a second. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that has to do with um, with the title of the episode, Abiturno. So um, in the Catholic Bible, the episode's title is found prominently in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 23 which reads, and I'm going to 
mess this up, so I'm really sorry at everybody. Ab Eterno Ordita Sum et Ex Antiques Antiquam Terra Furet. Sorry for my terrible Latin. This <laughs> translates to, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. So... I thought that that's a nice theme for the episode, for all the characters that we see, for Richard's ho- overarching presence on the island. So, title of the episode, great job. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, um, go on. All right, so, and this <laughs> is ahead. actually probably my my last points that I have, because okay. I really don't have anything else. We've talked pretty much about everything else beforehand. Um, yeah, there... So there are two key players in this that I found very interesting. Um, you mentioned the first, Mr. Whitfield. Um, anybody who knows or follows genealogy or anything like that knows that when people come from overseas to the States, uh, the, usually through Ellis Island when, when Ellis Island was still open, a lot of times they would change their name. And a lot of times it would be very similar to a name they already had. They would drop a part of it or they would add something to it. And I had the same thought you did, that Mr. Whitfield sounded an awful lot like Whitmore. Mm -hmm. And I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that is done intentionally. Especially considering that Whitfield had slaves on his ship and I believe Whitmore has a uh, prisoner on his own Mm -hmm. ship. And we know by this point, anything the writers have done is always intentional. Right, right, right. For there to be a person with a name so similar to another is done intentionally. Because if you didn't want that to be related to one another, you changed Whitfield to something else. His name would have been Smith. Yeah, exactly. Um, So there's that. So I'm glad you brought that up. The other one I find an even deeper connection in is the captain of the ship, Captain Magnus Hanso. Oh, uh, yes, go, go, yeah. The Hanso Foundation has already been mentioned mm-hmm. uh, throughout this too, uh, but we find out through genealogy again, uh, Magnus Hanso is the great-great-grandson of Alvar Hanso, the founder of the Hanso Foundation, who funded, what else? The Dharma Initiative. <laughs> the Black Rock is connected to Dharma. Crazy, crazy. Um, and I just, the moment I heard Magnus Hanso, I was like, Oh, deep dive. Yeah. And I did time to look it, it up. <laughs> yep. And I did all of that deep dive and information. And because I knew Hanso, the moment I heard that name, I was like, yep, know that name. Yeah. Gotta look into it. Right. And I just, I just love the fact that the captain of the black rock, a ship that ends up on that Island has a, albeit loose, connection to the Dharma initiative mm-hmm. in that, I his, love that. Fa- his family is the one that helps to f- the founding of the Dharma initiative. Yeah. I don't think that that's a loose connection. I think that that's a very direct. Oh, uh, well, yeah. connection. I mean, I mean, loosely is in like, it's, it's a long right, right, connection, right. but yeah. Oh no, it's, it's very direct. Yeah. Cause again, you would not name the captain Hanso. If you did not mean to make that connection, because it's not, yeah, because it's not a normal, a normal name at all. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. I like that. Um, <laughs> speaking of, you know, the the black rock in the ship. So, 
the black rock crashes into the white statue. So since a ship obviously cannot destroy such a large stone statue, I think that this was a nod of how easy it is to lose faith that the darkness can overpower the light um, very easily if you allow it to, because the ship is more or less intact. And that statue is a big white stone statue, black Mm -hmm. rock, white statue. That statue is completely destroyed except for the foot, because I think you have to kneel at the feet of, of your God. Right. Um, Especially in the Bible, you you wash you wash someone else's feet. You kneel to their you bow to their feet in um, um, observance. That's that's not the right word. What is it? Submission, right? You submit to their feet. But also just the fact that it was so easily destroyed by this wooden ship. Yeah, he says it smashes to pieces. Right. No, and we see it splayed out in the ocean. Yeah. And when we see the black rock, I mean, not only is it pretty much intact, it's still intact 140 years later. Yeah. Yeah. So. um, I find it very interesting, though, that Jacob is the one that brought the ship in, though. So it's kind of like almost like he brought the darkness. If the black rock is kind of the darkness in that scenario that you're mentioning. Well, I just think, I mean, I don't think he, I don't think it's him bringing in the darkness. I think that it's a nod to us as the audience as darkness can quickly overcome anybody and can shatter anybody's faith if you let it, if you allow it to. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Richard got very close to that. He's been on the edge of that now twice that we, three times that we've seen. The first time, um, if we're going in timeline order, the first time is when he's on the ship. Right. And he's mm-hmm. almost dying. Right. The second time is when um, is when he basically loses his uh, he tries to kill himself on the black rock in front of Jack because he doesn't think any of it matters. And the third time is this episode when he's trying to get the man in black to come back and, and renegotiate his deal that he had originally made 140 years ago. Because man in black said, if you ever and I mean, ever yeah, change your mind or when doesn't matter when, right? But what happened, the light, Hurley, interceded before the darkness could get there and helped him see the light. So, and helped him. And I just think that that was just such a beautiful metaphor that was kind of woven throughout the episode without smashing it in your face. And this is also the second time the man in black has lost Richard as a pawn. Sorry, Charlie. Second time. Because the first time, and this is one of my other, this is a mental note I had. I didn't have it written down, and I was just reminded of as as you were talking. I love the fact that back in 1867 or whatever, 67 or 68 at that point, when Richard goes back to the man in black, and he says, like, oh, like, you let him speak to you, didn't you? And he, and he says, I he told me to give you something. And he gives him the white rock. That's on the scale later. It's base. Well, that's the point I was getting to. Is that that's basically telling it's that's basically Jacob telling the man in black, "I just balanced the scales by giving." If him only the Jedi could do that as easily <laughs> as Jacob, right? <laughs> they tried. It just they, they just couldn't do it. Tried several times. Yeah, <laughs> but as as you know, as Man in Black has pointed out, uh, people are easily corrupted. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to power, privilege, um, 
you know, just having a step up over other people. People will sell themselves for basically anything. And it's kind of a sad, a sad reality that that's kind of true. I mean, what the man in black says and what his fundamental belief about people is right. It's right. Um, you know, Jacob is, is an idealist in this scenario and he's trying really hard to prove his brother wrong. And in the end, it's going to cost him his life. Albeit whether it's intentional or not. Cause you know, again, we, I started questioning that this episode yeah, as to whether or not that was all part of the plan. And part of me actually believes now that it was. It would be, it would be interesting to know. Cause like I said, he made the point. Nobody gets in without being invited. You're not going to invite in the people who might possibly kill you unless it was always your intention to die. And Jacob never fought it either. What's funny is that Jacob and the man in black don't realize, I think, that by working together, they could have balance between people who are corrupt and people who are good. Yeah. You can't prove that they're all good or all bad. The only thing that you can try to do is have balance. Well, and that's, I find that interesting too, because you're right. Like, again, I going back to the point I made about how Jacob gave Richard the rock to give to the man in black in essence saying, I balance the scales, right? No matter what Jacob has never tried to take like to, to let the good side win. He has always never gone past balance. Mm, that's true. No, Jacob but he al- always just wanted the scales to be balanced. So you're saying that Jacob always knew that there was darkness in people, but given the chance that they would want to be good despite the darkness or letting the darkness contribute to their goodness. Yeah. Cause again, like the man in black has always tried to shift the scales towards his direction. Mm-hmm. Jacob has never done anything more than balance them. That's an interesting thought. So, like, I think Jacob maybe even did have the idea because he could have killed, like, um, I don't know. Like, is there a possibility that Jacob could have just killed the man in black? If he really wanted all this to end, he could have just ended it himself. Unless they just can't kill each other. But also on my point is that if he killed the man in black, then there's no one there to balance the scale. That's true, too. And then you become vulnerable because you don't have that darkness in you to help protect yourself. Yeah. Interesting. If the scales aren't balanced, then ev- then it doesn't matter what direction the scale falls. Everything is out of order. Mm-hmm. The scales need to be balanced. Therefore, yeah. he never killed the man in black, and he never tried to take advantage. Right. He always just balanced the scales. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Gosh, uh, I love this episode. I know. Great I, I episode. Think so much. I don't have anything else unless you do. I don't. Yeah, I think we've covered pretty much everything um, on this episode. But uh, that leads us into the feedback section of the uh, of the episode, uh, in which we have a couple this week, which is great. Uh, I love it. And I'll, I'll kick us off with the first one. This one actually comes via Facebook from uh, listener Jason Taboda, who has left us feedback in the past. Uh, he says, Ab Eterno is my favorite standalone episode of season six. It's so epic that I feel like I'm watching a movie. Agree mm. completely. 
Uh, the music, the sets, and the acting were completely amazing. Mm. It was so great to finally get Alpert's story and many other questions, many other answers to the mystery of the island. I completely forgot about the intro with Alana. Anyway, just epic. And it's 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 an ex- it was an extended episode too because it's it's the longest episode um, that isn't like a finale. I think it's like a five minute longer. Yeah. Episode. Because they're think, usually 42 minutes. 42 and this was and this 47. Was 47. Yeah. 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 So it was a little bit longer. Um, you're right. In the in the running time. Uh, but our next feedback uh, actually came from us, uh, came to us via the website, which I love that people are now starting to, first yes. off, send in more feedback, but doing it in all the ways that we have available, whether it be Facebook or the website or anything else. But why don't you, uh, you give us that one. So this one is from Jenny from the, from uh, like Ben said, the website. And she says, hi, Kristen and Ben, this isn't really about a specific episode, but I've been listening to you guys since the beginning. And I want to say thanks to you both for this podcast. I love this show. Never get tired of rewatching it. And I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to your breakdowns and theories. Can't wait to see what you're covering next. Oh, thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny. That's so nice. That's awesome. I love that you're, you've been listening since the beginning too. And I, we're really sorry about that long break. <laughs> yes, we've we've gotten better since then. We have. We've gotten so much better. Not yeah. Not only are we go, are we back to week to week again, but we're doing two a week now. We're so we're so good. We're doing two different podcasts every week now. We're amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. No, I wouldn't either. Um. But no, thank you for listening since the beginning, and we can't wait to tell you the show that we're covering next and and to dive into it. Um, and if you like the conversations that we have, like we mentioned, make sure you check out the uh, the Swapcast on Wilhelm now that we're doing that together as well. Uh, but that leads us to the final piece, and that is, of course, a, a voicemail from our friend Steve Brown. Uh, which we'll go ahead and listen to that now. Hello, uh, Ben and Kristen. This is Steve. And this is for, what? It, how do you say it? Abs, as, as, Osterno or Osterman? I don't know. Ooh, <laughs> this is the Richard Alpert episode. Nice. That would be horrible to find out your entire life had no purpose. Oof. Oh, candidates to replace Jacob. So he knew he was going to die. And now they got to go to Richard. Well, okay. Richard has obviously lost it because now he's, what, going to go to Locke? Good, Ben. Not exactly Locke. It's almost not Locke. This is the first time we've seen Hurley talking to a dead person and we've not been shown who the person is. Ooh, Canary Islands, 1867. Oh, you just killed the doctor, I believe. Throwing him in that table. Oh, she didn't make it. Who is this guy, Whitfield? Is that like Widmore? Oh, uh, Hanzo. Magnus Hanzo. And just for the record, I don't remember any of this. Like, I get flashes, but... Mostly, I don't remember any of it. But they still don't explain how the ship got into the middle of the jungle. Oh, black smoke monster. Okay, now how did a boar get in there? <laughs> now, who is this pretending to be Isabella? Is it Black Man in Black? Is it Jacob? Oh, no, I guess because the black smoke monster is outside. I don't understand. Oh, is this the first time we're seeing the Man in Black? Okay, so the Man in Black is going to try to convince uh, Richard Ricardo that Jacob is the devil. But... Uh, I don't remember any of this. He's giving him the same instructions that uh, he was that he gave to uh, Saeed about the man in black. Don't let him speak. Stab him in the chest. <laughs> what makes this funny is Mark Pellegrino actually is going to play the devil in Supernatural. Okay, so I think we did see this, right? The ship did fly through the air somehow, and it smashed through the statue. 
Okay, so Jacob did bring the ship to the island. That look on Jacob's face when when uh, Richard just said, "If you don't, he will." Wait, he can't bring your wife back. He can't absolve your sin, but he can let you make you live forever. With immortality also be, also came the eyeliner because I haven't noticed the eyeliner on Richard before just now when he's talking to the man in black. Oh, that's who Hugo was talking to, Isabella. Ooh, so now it's Richard's responsibility to stop the man in black, not Locke. I was wrong at the beginning. We have seen Titus Wilbur before because we've seen him and Jacob talk about the, the Black Rock ship. Oh, that was ominous. Sooner than you think. Not even a goodbye, but thanks, Steve. <laughs> and no mic drop. Well, they never mentioned the title of the... No, right. you gave it to us at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, be- yeah. But um, yeah. I'm just saying from... I, I always look forward to hearing Steve mic drop the episode name. I always say yeah. it's fun. <laughs> Abs, what did he say? Abs, abysmal or something like that. I don't know what you said in the beginning. Abs, Osterman. Osterman, that's what it was. (laughs) Hilarious. Oh, Steve, hearing your voice every week really just, it's like chicken soup for my soul and my heart. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, but thank you everybody who left us feedback this week. Yeah. Again, we're getting to the end of this of this sixth season. We're getting to the end of the series of Lost. So we want to hear more from uh, more of you guys if you guys are willing to do it. We know not everybody likes to leave feedback. A lot of you just listen and then move on to another podcast, which is totally fine if you do it. Um, but we we'd love to hear from you. We love that we're we're it took six seasons, but we're slowly starting to get more and more people, um, you know, leaving feedback. Yes, which is uh. Fantastic. So uh, easiest way to do that, if you want to leave the feedback for us, is just visit the website, revisitedpod.com. There you'll find links on where to subscribe if you're not already, ways to listen, ways to watch, and ways to leave feedback. Or you can just email us directly, either an email or a voicemail at feedback at revisitedpod.com. And that's that's how you do it. Um, Recommendation for the week. I'm just going to recommend Movie Swapcast. Yeah, me too. Which which we just launched this week again over on Wilhelm. Uh, first official episode is is in the is in the can. You'll be hearing it. Uh, this will be launching on Monday, and I think these are, these always release on Monday, and I think those are going to release every Friday. Okay. Um. So usually a couple days after this, we give you time to listen to this first, and then you can go over and listen to that. Yeah. Um. Or we give you the weekend to listen to it. Um. So uh, either Thursday or Friday is usually when they'll post. But our first official episode with uh, Real Steel and In the Heights is already uh, recorded. And you'll be hearing that within a couple of days of this one. Uh, encourage you to check that out. WilhelmPodcast.com is the easiest way to go find ways to do that and subscribe yeah. to that. Fun, fun. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun recording this that. It's like my favorite part of my Saturdays now. Is hanging out with you for like four hours. Almost four hours. Yeah, we're at, we're currently at three hours and twenty minutes between both shows. Yeah. So I get my bend time in. It's nice. Yeah, we get to catch up for the week. Um, yeah. I'll tell you this on the podcast before we wrap up as kind of like the final notes. You and I haven't talked about this yet, but I just worked a show last weekend, um, in which I got to moderate a number of different panels as well as talk to and interact a number of different people. Like uh, I moderated a panel with Christy Swanson, which you knew was going to happen. And unfortunately I didn't get to talk Luke Perry um, with her, but she was incredibly sweet. She was such a sweetheart. Um, Sam Jones, AKA flash Gordon was interesting. Uh, But I got to share the stage with 
uh, Jim Cummings, aka Winnie the Pooh, um, uh, uh, Daniel Ross, aka Donald Duck, and Bill Farmer, aka Goofy, which was such an incredible panel sharing the stage with them. Did they do it in their voices? The oh, whole yeah, time? they did a bunch of impressions on the panel too. Every time Jim Cummings would go into Winnie the Pooh, like I, I just kind of reverted into a child. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um and you can see it because there's video of it and it's going to be releasing soon uh through Wilhelm. But you can see if you just look at my face every time you hear Jim Cummings to do the voice, and it's just it's unbelievable. But then another panel I did was with um Gigi Edgley, who was from Farscape, uh, but also a puppeteer, and she was on the same panel with Bill Diamond, who does Fraggles for Fraggle Rock. Steve Whitmire, who is the current Kermit the Frog, oh, cool. and Kevin Clash, who has been Elmo, the di- the baby dinosaur from Dinosaurs. Was this just all like voice acting? Yeah, well, there was a, yeah, there was a lot of them, um, and that panel because Kevin Clash was great. Like he did the Elmo voice a bunch and and such. Um, but the one I think you might appreciate the most. Um, I didn't do their panel, but I sat and watched it and then I got to talk to him afterwards. Um, there was a big Star Wars panel with a bunch of people <gasps> from Mandalorian, like Emily Swallow, who's the armorer in Mandalorian. Um, but the the person who pretty much just took over, like was the highlight of that, was Ahmed Best, who plays Jar Jar, <gasps> Jar, Binks, Jar Binks. Um, as well as a Jedi in The Mandalorian. He said something during the panel that I kind of took to because somebody asked him because he's, he does martial arts in real life. And somebody had asked him like about it. He had mentioned like he, a lot of the uh, motivation for the characters in the martial arts has been a combination of Taekwondo, which he does in real life and Jackie Chan movies. Cause he loves Jackie Chan movies. So when the panel was over, I went up and I was talking, I know I've worked with Emily before. So I was talking to her and then, I introduced myself to Ahmed and I was talking to Ahmed for a little bit. I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd, I want to come to your table and talk to you, but I don't want to talk to you about Star Wars. I want to talk to you about Star Wars or anything. I just want to come and talk Jackie Chan with you. And he looked at me and he gave me this huge fist bump. He's like, do it. Let's come. Let's talk Jackie Chan. So I did. I went to his table later that day and we talked for no lie, like 20 minutes, just about our favorite Jackie Chan movies. That's awesome. And then on so good for him too. Yeah. And then on Sunday, anytime I saw him, because our panel room was right right next to the green room. So they're constantly in and out of the green room. Every time he was walking past, either to go to the green room or go to somewhere else, he would see the moment he saw me, he would divert just to walk over to me to give me another fist bump and then just continue on his path. That's awesome. You were probably the best part of his day. I hope so. Because yeah, I mean, he talks Star Wars constantly. But the, for I'm someone sure to talk to him about subject for him too, yeah, with with the background that he has with yeah. it. Uh, but you're right for someone to come up to him and talk to him about something that he's passionate, yeah, about like that's I love doing stuff like that, right? Especially if it's something that I have a passion in too, right? So it's like yeah, like and that was and he was great, like he was so fun. Um, that show was just a blast. I mean, it did karaoke with Joey Fatone and. You did not. Oh, God, I did. So it was group karaoke. So it was like him and one of the Who guys. Who cares? Who- You're still d- singing with NSYNC. 
We were singing Sweet Caroline. My 20-year-old with, uh, with self is dying on the inside right now. I've worked with Joey before, and he's a blast. But he I got, like, hear that. He's he a got, terrible dancer. <laughs> but he got like literally an entire corner of the show, myself included, because I was back there. Just everybody singing Sweet Caroline. That's awesome. And it was so much fun. He's so I, I the love making of shows. I think it was the making of Bye 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 video when that video came out. They were talking about how Joey Fatone was just a terrible dancer. So they had to get like a stand in to do some of his parts and then really? like, put his face on it or something. Yeah, there was something there was something that happened where he was just like, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm funny. old. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'll uh, have to look into that. But I'm going to be working a lot of these shows. These these shows are through uh, altered altered reality entertainment. Um, like I'm going to be in TerrorCon in Massachusetts, and then I'll be at Rhode Island Comic Con in November. And then next year they're expanding like three more cities, and they're bringing me into all of them. Great! Oh, so, that's great. That uh, well deserved. Friend. I'm going to be at a lot of different shows next year. So if there's anybody listening, anytime you see like a altered reality show, whether it be Contropolis or Terracon or anything, uh, if it's nearby you, get tickets and go. They're a lot of fun. It's a great company. I've enjoyed working with them so far. Um, I, I'll and I'll tell you on a personal note with these guys, I've worked for a lot of shows, big and small. These guys in two shows have made me feel more appreciated for the work that I do than any other show has done. That is wonderful. Any and other you know show what? That kind of validation is so important and it goes overlooked a lot, I think. So I'm yeah. so glad that you're getting that. That's wonderful. So, but that's my final notes. Anything on your end before no. we wrap up? No. no. <laughs> We've been doing this for three and a half hours. So, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I'm hungry. I want to go eat. <laughs> Me too. Uh, so with that being said, again, revisitedpod.com, willhudpodcast.com. Check them out. Um, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for all you guys do, the feedback, the support, all of it. But until next... Oh, we didn't mention the next the next episode. Uh, the Package. Season 6 episode. Gin episode. Is a gin it's episode. gin episode. Going yeah. from Richard to gin. We swear Richard gin. I mean, come on, guys. Come on. I know. It's a great point. It's a great time of the season right now. Uh, but again, thank you for the support. Thank you all of it, but it, for all of it. But until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Me. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! <laughs>